In mid-July, D.C. saw a rash of high-profile shootings that cast a national spotlight on increased violent crime in the district. What does this attention and rising violence mean for the nation's capital? I'm Luke Garrett. And I'm Loris Vitalniak. The spate of gun violence started on July 16th when six people were shot in the Congress Heights neighborhood of Southwest Washington, D.C., leaving six-year-old Nia Courtney dead. The next night, thousands of Nationals fans hid behind seats after gunshots echoed around the stadium after a drive-by shooting outside the third base gate, injuring three people. And on Thursday, diners on 14th Street hid behind tables and chairs after a targeted shooting on Riggs Street, which left two in the hospital. This week, WTOP's investigative reporter, Megan Clarity, breaks down the continued rise in crime in D.C., shares her conversation with Metropolitan Police Department Chief Robert Conti, and explains what's at stake for the city if the violence continues. So last time we talked to you about crime courts was in late May. So just kind of at the start of the summer when we were seeing a couple trends. One, crime had been steadily rising. So where are we now? Have we seen the crime still kind of continue that trend? Has anything really changed? Or are we still where we were back in May? It's interesting because I think that it feels very much like it's changed. I think it feels like it's ramped up for a lot of people. And that's because this summer, just in the last week, we've had some really high profile shootings that have led into neighborhoods that don't usually see as much violent crime and therefore are affecting people who are not used to violent crime in their daily lives. I think that's important to say because in certain neighborhoods of the city, that is a daily thing. And we cover it on the daily basis, but it feels like it's more because we had this targeted shooting outside of Nats Park where three people were injured. We had a shooting on 14th Street right outside like one of DC's biggest restaurants, La Diplomat. And I think it's sort of hard to say it's new, but it's also it's gaining attention in a way that I think is honestly a good thing because the more people who are frustrated and angry about the fact that this is happening on a daily basis, the better. So how do crime rates this year compare to those prior to it? I was looking up where we are as far as stats go, looking to the data to see beyond how it feels, right? What is it actually? And right now we are almost exactly on par with where crime was in 2020 at that time last year. So in July of 2020, Around the same number of homicides, we have two more right now than last year, around the same number of um, assaults with a dangerous weapon, sex abuse, all those things that kind of fall under the umbrella of violent crime. However, you say that with the caveat, 2020 was 19% higher in violent crime than 2019. So if we're even, that doesn't mean that things are going well, clearly, because it was such a ramp up into 2020. So when we talk about, you know, the effect of the pandemic on crime, I think it's fair if you're comparing these last two years from what we have or this last year and a half of what we have data wise to maybe 2018, 2019, we are well above what the data was then. You know, how many beyond data, the people we've lost, the the children we've lost, it's more in the last year and a half than it was. And I think that's translating on the streets. I think people feel unsafe. And when, you know, you hear gunshots in your neighborhood, it's incredibly unsettling. So Megan, you've been reporting in the DC area for eight years. Do the past 18 months of crime really stand out to you? Or is this rise in violent crime just more the same? No, I don't think it is markedly different than it's been in the last eight years. I think DC has a gun problem. Our last chief, Peter Newsham said, our current chief, Robert Conti says, 
Anybody you talk to in public safety will tell you the same thing because of illegal guns on the streets. And so they have this huge initiative and they have for years to try and get illegal guns off the streets. But you look at the number of crimes that are committed with illegal guns and there's a definite connection. So yeah, DC has a gun problem and the mayor has introduced all of these violence prevention programs and all of them meant to sort of attack it in different ways from different angles. The newest one I heard about, which I think is interesting, is they're trying, they've identified the 151 blocks in DC they consider the most dangerous, the most violent blocks. And they're going to try and recruit kind of like the head honchos on those blocks, the people who are leaders in the community, the people who know everybody. And they're going to try and get those individuals on the payroll and have them sort of contribute to try and solve crimes, to try and prevent crimes. So it's an interest, it's called building blocks. It's, it's sort of an interesting new initiative. But I don't think, I mean, to answer your question, come you know, roundabout in a long way, I don't think it's that much different. I just think it's maybe intensifying. We always see more violence during the summer. Yeah. That's just a, a thing. But no, it doesn't feel different to me as far as what's motivating it. And really the reason why it's happening is those accessible illegal guns. And so the question remains, why this national spotlight on DC shootings when this is sort of a, a normal summer, as tragic as that sounds? And further, why did the attention go to the Nationals Park and 14th Street shootings, which weren't even fatal? And there really wasn't any initial attention to that tragic shooting death of six-year-old Naya. Yeah, actually, I asked the chief about that because he was nice enough to make time. And so the day before the Nats Park shooting, six-year-old Naya Courtney was killed when she was walking down the street with her mom. That, from a DC perspective, is much more like hits at your heart and is very upsetting, right? Than yeah. three people injured outside Nats Park. But if you right. talk about the number of people affected, Nats Park is a bigger story. And that's why it led all the newscasts because you have to evacuate a park. That's no small thing. People, you know, of course, in the day and age we live in are fearing mass shootings. No one knows what's going on. It was very scary for the people who were there. I do not want to lessen that feeling in any way. But I talked to the chief and I said, you know, you look at the news today and all you see is about Nats Park and all three of those people are expected to survive, thank goodness. And at the same time, you have... You know, so, so there's this national pressure for you to, you know, what's the deal? Have you found them? Have you, have you solved this crime? And at the same time, you have a community that's, you know, mourning a six-year-old and the five other people who were shot with her. And he did not mince words. He says, I am not surprised that the media is focused on Nats Park. Hmm. I am focused on Naya. Right. And that's what he said. He, you know, and I don't think he was trying to indicate that all the other shootings, and there were many that weekend, weren't important. But you think about, you know, I mean, it's just upsetting. You see these pictures of this little girl, she had her whole life ahead of her, you know, and she's no longer with us. So that's the stuff that really gets people angry and really gets people sharing tips and trying to do something, make it change. Because, I mean, as cold and callous as it sounds, three people getting shot and expected to be okay in DC is not a lead story. And that's awful because it's not, it's a big deal and will forever, forever change those people's lives. But yeah, he is upset. And I think about the Nia Courtney story, not getting more attention. And I will say for a couple outlets, including Fox news, because I saw it on their national news, they did pick up that story. They did pick up the Nia Courtney story. So it started getting more attention, um, but you're right. The Nats park was, I mean, it's just, I think the scale of it, you know, was the thing. You spoke with chief Conti who took over MPD just seven months ago. 
What's your take on his tenure thus far? I think he's been dealt a pretty difficult hand, if I'm honest with you. I mean, mm-hmm. and he knows it. He's been with the department for, forever. I mean, more than more than 15 years and right. has, you know, grew up in this city, has told his story, knows a ton of people. And he really, I mean, when you when you think about Bowser putting him in that position, there's no better person to do it because he understands where we're coming from. That said, he's appointed in 2020 when, as we just discussed, homicides and violent crime is up 19 percent and it's still going. Then he has the defund the police effort coming at him. And he has, you know, what I think he's, I mean, he told me he supports violence prevention programs, but he said, you know, I need some of these programs to be set up and be effective and be working before you take somebody away from me that I need to police the streets. So yeah, I agree. We shouldn't be picking up litter and we shouldn't be, you know, responding to every 911 call that comes in that isn't necessarily warranting a police officer. But until we have those programs in place that maybe sends, you know, mental health experts or send somebody from the parks department when we don't need a police officer, I still have to have the men and women I need that can address that. And so he has lost, I think he said something like 250 or 260 officers since October of last year. So they're down significantly. They're not getting more funding in the mayor's budget that Conti agreed to because she ran it by him and they kind of have this collaborative effort before they presented it to the council. He is getting less money. The department is getting less money than it was last time. And a lot of that is because of these violence prevention efforts, which, you know, you got to hope make a difference. But it seems to me it would be very difficult for someone who is new to the job with defund the police going on still to a degree, the, the amount of violent crime and the attention to that violent crime and the pressure that puts on you, and then the limited resources, how you would be successful. But I know that there's a whole city that's hoping he will be, right? especially after the week we just had. So it's tricky. I mean, this city is doing a lot of things to rethink things after the pandemic. And that takes money, you know, just to kind of change things up and deliver new resources. But yeah, from a crime perspective, it's not something that the city can get away from anytime soon. And I think he is hoping that he can make some big strides as far as solving these cases and maybe working with these um, programs to make DC safer And make it even just the feeling that we have right now, that unsafe feeling, Mm. even if it feels safer, that's a step. That's a big step. I just, it's hard for me to say, I mean, it's just with the the lower resources he has, it seems to me that, that it would be really difficult, but they are trying to sort of do it in a new way and and attack it from different angles. So we'll see how that goes. So if this violent crime doesn't stop or slow and this feeling of uneasiness persists, What's really at stake for the district? Well, D.C., do you remember when D.C. used to be called the murder capital? Yeah. And people still remember that. You go to, you know, the Midwest and they're like, wait, isn't that a really dangerous city? I mean, it stays in the zeitgeist memory for longer than any city would want it to. I mean, it affects tourism. It affects whether Amazon decides to continue to expand. You know, it affects everything. The economy if people are leaving the city, if they're going to live here, that affects your taxes. It's, it's a big deal, not only for the people who don't deserve to live in conditions like that. I mean, let's say that, but then you don't want to see your city kind of go down the tubes because of a very few number of bad actors. I mean, the investigators always say when it comes down to it, we're talking about 20 to 30 to 40 guys and women who 
don't handle things without a gun. That's what they go to. And they go into the prisons and they come back out. And, and this is the life they know. Well, at this point, you have a couple more big shootings like that at the ballpark. You become the city who has, doesn't have a safe ballpark. And then the Nats move. It's kind of like the scary unknown in front of you right. for the city. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's also why the mayor, the chief went live on 14th Street. It was like 1030 yeah. at night. And you looked at it and the mayor standing right next to him. And I do not think that that, I mean, she is there now. That would not be the case two years ago. But mm. she is showing with her presence and her interest that this matters to her and this matters right. to DC. So right. I think that's heartening if there's anything to find a silver lining here, that she does care, it appears, and they're trying to turn this thing around. On Friday, Chief Conti delivered scathing criticism of the DC court system. The courts are not open. That is a fact. Barely open. Why is it that a guy who murdered somebody is out in community after having been arrested two or three months prior with a firearm? What do we think he was going to do? The chief judge of D.C. Superior Court defended the system, saying their doors never closed during the pandemic and that the criminal division conducted nearly 9,000 hearings since the start of the pandemic. The same day, a mural of six-year-old Naya Courtney went up at the intersection where she had been shot and killed. The artist, Ania Khan Udofia, hopes the work reminds everyone how important life is. As of early Monday morning, no one has been arrested for Nia's killing, the drive-by near Nationals Park, or the shooting near 14th and Rake Streets. This episode was hosted by me, Loris Batalniak. And me, Luke Garrett. Our cover art was created by cartoonist Audrey Garrett, and our music is courtesy of Lockspeed. Join us next Monday as the world reopens.